0: This is Red Inga and I'm Jared Kimber. This episode, we talk about the women's pace race, partly because I love pace races. I love the term pace races, but I've also always been very interested in women's cricket. I played some cricket with a woman early in my life and then I helped coach some others and I've been lucky enough to also play in some games with the English women's teams at time. Fun story, I once completely burnt Anya Shrub's hole by calling her through for a non-existent single to try and win a game. Luckily she's gone on to be quite handy in those sorts of situations since then for England. But today I brought Churney on so we could talk about women's quick bowling. Well, we've got you on to talk about women's cricket, because for me, women's cricket had three sort of main phases. The women couldn't hit the ball off the square for a long time, largely because they were trying to play with Terry Test Match techniques rather than just slog it across the line like the men were. We moved on from that and they started hitting the ball a lot better. And we moved into the era where a lot of them weren't fit enough. And there was, you know, huge problems with that in the women's game in the UK. And now we're obsessing over their bowling pace. And that's what you wrote about coming into the Women's World Cup. Why were you interested in the pace that women bowl?
1: We we just thought an idea that we we were thrashing around certain ideas coming into the T20 World Cup, myself and a few of the editors at The Age and the Morning Herald. And we thought that this would be an interesting idea to explore because it was one of the areas of women's cricket which had progressed and, and there had been a bit of movement. And it was one of the areas where coming into such a huge tournament, it was going to be sort of shown to the world what these players could do and and how far they'd come. And there is that perception out there of of women's cricket being stayed and, you know, not hitting off the square and a lot of spin and slow bowling. But increasingly there has been this push towards fast bowling. And I think especially when you had someone like Taylor Bolemming in Australia as sort of this bright young star, I think she was sort of the pin-up girl for it. Unfortunately, she didn't get to play during the tournament. But uh, we thought it would be an interesting area to explore uh, sort of as a broad thematic piece coming into um, such a big tournament.
0: One thing for me is sort of the other end, which you talked about a little bit there, but, you know, someone like Isha Guha back in the day or Megan Shute, they're very, very slow bowlers, very skillful. Both of them swing the ball in a lot. In fact, there's a lot of women cricketers who swing the ball a lot, but there is a lot of just genuinely slow bowlers. I remember being at a WBBL game and Annabelle Sutherland came on. The commentators kept talking about her being a, a pace bowler. And I was like, she's bowling Rashid Khan's pace. Yeah. Like she gets incredible bounce. There's a bit of Tom Moody in her bowling, really, because she does get a lot of bounce. And a lot of women cricketers don't get bounce. But it's incredible how slow at the other end that a lot of the women bowl.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, um, even you look at the, the Australian team, and in the end, um, the slow bowling w- was a huge part of their success with players like Jess Johnson and, and Megan Shute, and and, ha- and having – covered a fair bit of WBBL cricket over the years. It can be remarkably effective, but there is clearly some exhilaration to seeing the fast bowlers and been lucky enough, having covered a lot of both the Melbourne teams and the WBBL, um, having covered women's cricket for four or five years now reasonably regularly, um, and to see Leah Tahuhu regularly and, and, and you know, really troubling players, and then to see Sullen coming through with the bounce. But you're right, it's not quite that express pace that someone like a Volemink has, um, and that's why you know, they, these players really do stand out and it just brings that whole different dynamic, which you just don't get. And, and you just want variety. I think that's the thing. I mean, it, I like the, the slow bowling and, and there is so much skill to it and the art to it. But I'm talking about purely slow bowling and then also spin. But to have quicks just changes, changes the way the game is played and looks
0: um, and brings a whole lot. One of the things I was really interested in your piece was the women's game, they seem to have pushed for a long time, this control bowling. You'd almost call it English bowling, wouldn't you? You know, (laughs) skill-led seamers, very Angus Fraser-type bowling. And it seems that they've now just suddenly said, do you know what? There are women coming through who can bowl with a bit of pace. Just let it wang.
1: Yeah, that was probably, in terms of researching the piece, that was probably the most interesting thing for me was how these attitudes have prevailed for whatever reason. And maybe because it's been so rare to have women that can bowl in the 120s, or maybe for whatever reason, this control element, because obviously women aren't physically as strong, so they're never going to be able to bowl 150. So the spin and the slow bowling and and the control had had been encouraged as much as possible. But I was inspired by Ben Sawyer, the, the Australian fast bowling coach, and also the Sydney Sixers coach, and he was just saying, we just want to encourage these girls to bowl as fast as possible. And you, you, I think the line, um, I think it was Catherine Fitzpatrick used that he wouldn't tell a leggy to stop ripping it as much as possible. You know, a young promising leggy, you, you wouldn't tell them, I'll spin it less. So why are we trying to tell these young female fast bowlers to turn the pace down a couple of notches? I mean, it's a ludicrous notion when you actually think about it. So I really like this sort of let them go. You know, it doesn't matter if they're going to be a bit erratic at times. You know, aren't all great fast bowlers, you know, <laughs> You get the wild nature and, and then and the uncertainty, but you also get some brilliance and some terror, you know, some sheer speed, and and that's um what we saw. So I really like that notion of of just letting them rip.
0: One thing I noticed, so one of the other WBBL games I went to, I was writing about how the women hit the ball harder because, as I said, that was something that came into women's cricket, and I was talking to the batting coach from I think it might have been the Stars, and he was saying – there's lots of different reasons. There's a change of mindset within the women's cricket when it comes to batting. But he said that the most obvious thing is that if you're an amateur, you basically go to the gym when you have a chance. And if you've got a long day at work, you might not go to the gym and, and all those sorts of, you know, normal human things for the reasons that you and I don't go to the gym. <laughs> but then when you become a professional – some of these women are going to the gym doing two a days they've completely changed their diet they're all thinking about that they're also thinking about the tactical sides of things it seems to me that we've seen that with the batting and we have certainly seen the run rates in women's cricket just skyrocket of very recent times it makes sense then that the next part of that is the women doing the same with the ball doesn't it
1: no completely and and i think that's certainly been a, a big part of it not not just attitudes but resources and cricket australia i think have to be commended they've made mistakes in recent years but I think their attitude towards women's cricket has been exemplary and the money they've pumped in and clearly it's yielded tremendous results and the advent of full-time professional female cricketers and you're right you know they're going to the gym they're getting the diet right they're able to spend dedicated time with biomechanists and, and making sure their techniques are right and you look at someone like Taylor Vilemon she's a young late teens early 20s and she's on the cusp and she's able to produce those sorts of speeds and that's because of Clearly, she's got some latent ability there, but it's been harnessed, and she's been playing in a pathway, and and she's been on cricket Victoria and cricket Australia's radar for a long time now, even though she's still such a tender age. And Elise Perry clearly, obviously, had to have the, the dual careers for a long period of time. But um I think she, she's acknowledged too that the advent of professionalism has helped her a fair bit. Clearly, it, it helps you make sure your, your body remains in check and get the most out of yourself. So I, I think. When you touch on the batting, I I think the the same phenomenon has has been witnessed with the bowling, so it only makes sense. And hopefully we see more of that around the entire women's cricket world and and players around the world are able to get the most out of themselves because I'm sure there is latent talent there in a lot of these countries, but it's just not being harnessed quite as well as it is in Australia and, and maybe a couple of other
0: places. Yeah, well, one of the big things that was said about women's cricket, maybe five years ago especially, was that we weren't seeing the best athletes come through So we obviously have some incredible cricketers come through and Elise Perry was really one of the first times and Susie Bates probably is another one where you're like, these women could have gone on and had incredible careers in other sports, obviously top level female athletes and they have chosen cricket, which is phenomenal. Well, they've chosen cricket when they're not playing Football and uh, basketball, but um, yeah, but it is really getting those sorts of things. So literally, when when you show that there is a career pathway for these younger girls coming through the game, they're not going to be going into you know the sports that are already pay quite well, like basketball, maybe football, Olympic sports tennis and all those sorts of things if they can see that there's a legitimate career path for them in cricket they're going to come to it and and that's because with batting let's be honest you can be a sub-optimal athlete and be a quite a good batsman <laughs> but to be a fast bowler you probably need some sort of fast twitch fibers and some sort of athletic elasticity let's say
1: <laughs> i think that's probably a fair assessment yeah to be reasonably good nick obviously fast bowling is a pretty fraught endeavor anyway and when we saw taylor volemic break down all too much but I cover um, a lot of Australian football as well, the AFL. For those listeners who don't know in, in Australia, that the native code here, there's been this women's sport arms race with them and the NRL, and and clearly some of the more traditional female sports like basketball and netball and, and tennis, and there's a, a real trying to keep up with the Joneses attitude, and that's ultimately it's helped all the sports because they've all had to continue to pump money in to try to maintain pole position or or, or at least you know stay in the frame, and you're seeing women's female athletes at long last being rewarded at least to to a reasonably fair level and as you said there there is a career path and in terms of the athleticism i think go back to to the recent world cup final against india the other area i think where athleticism really shines not just with bowling but it's in the field Mm. and uh, australia were just so nimble in the field and they are all athletes in that australian 11 i mean there, there are no you know they're as fit, if not fitter, than the men. I mean that they, they you don't look at that team and say, Oh, there's that player who's clearly just a cricketer. They're all lean, mean athletes and they show that in the field and uh, with the ball and it was just a very efficient professional display. And that's really what the system is there to create, and then that's what it should have been. Um it's great that there now is a, a pathway.
0: I'm gonna take a slight detour here to something that I really enjoy. So one reason I like writing about women's cricket and associate cricket and sometimes first class cricket is because you get to sort of unearth these random people that, many of us have never even heard the name of certainly haven't seen play and women's cricket just has bunches of them. I won't get too much into Betty Snowball, but um, Betty Snowball was an absolute gun cricketer and people don't know a lot about Betty Snowball and they should, they should know about Betty Snowball. Sounds like a Simpsons character, but you've got someone here called Sharon Treadray. How much fun was it? Like literally just going up to people in women's cricket and going, who used to be fast? And tell me a story about how fast this person used to be.
1: Yeah, there, there was a bit of that. I lucked into Sharon Treadray in some respects because she just so happened that a couple of weeks after the tournament and when we were just in the in its embryonic stages, uh, she was inducted into the Australian Cricket Hall of Fame and we got the chance to talk to her on an embargoed basis ahead of the induction and I was assigned to talk to her. I remember it was a very busy day, and I sort of thought, oh, you know, I've got got a little bit to do, and I thought, oh, just tick this box and get this interview done. And I shouldn't have thought that way because it was such an enjoyable interview, and she was it was so refreshing to talk to her, and the story she had, and she was very humble, but but just some of the details of of tours gone by, and she was telling me about what it was like to tour England in the 70s, you know, when when it was completely amateur and had to pay their own way, and it was a completely different world, and she was recounting these stories of her bowling in the nets, with men. Um, and and, that, and she was saying that the deal was if, if she could bounce them, then they could bounce her. She just had a, a fantastic attitude. But someone like that could so easily be bitter, a champion, a legend of the Australian women's cricket, yet very little to show for it. And whereas the players now are being rewarded as they should be, but there was no sort of sense of bitterness about it. She was back coaching junior cricket and it was just great to hear her talk about her own career. And then um, it was able to tap into a bit of the fast bowling stuff, which been subsequently used for um for this piece There's just stories about you know she only had two or three bats during her entire career hmm. one of which actually ended up with her nephew is, is warren Treadray who's a champion australian footballer
0: i was going to ask that i mean it means nothing to almost everyone listening to this podcast but i did want to know if she was related to the the only other tread ray i've ever heard of she, she is
1: yeah she, so Warren Treadray is uh, probably very few people listen in podcast will care but for those who don't know he was um port adelaide football club champion and premiership captain so one of the three bats she used in their entire career is actually now with Warren's young son huh. who plays with in the backyard. Um, I think they, they might have had to touch it up a bit um, given it's you know 40 years old. But <laughs> even more perhaps. But um, uh, and I think one of the three bats she used was on a tour of England. And it barely lasted a few weeks, so it's effectively two bats her entire career. An incredible longevity and a, a you know, legendary all rounder. And just so um, being a sports reporter, you talk to so many people and so many former and current athletes, but a very refreshing and enjoyable one to talk to, and and just a point of difference. And you're right; you do unearth these stories that you never, when we were growing up, we never thought about that. We never, we never heard about these people. Um, it's it's good that they're at least being recognised to some extent.
0: And one of the reasons I was more, in, well, I was interested because I hadn't heard of her before, but also because she claims to have bowled over 130 kilometers an hour. And for those who don't know, that's kind of the magical figure that women are aiming for in the same way that Tomo and, and Akhtar and Lee and Tate were going for 100 miles an hour. For women, it's 80 miles an hour, about 130 kilometers. And Izzy Wong, the young English quick, has, or has, you know came out to Crick Info a couple of days ago and said, I'm going to break the 80 mile barrier. Now, Sharon actually had claimed to have passed it. Is that right?
1: Yeah, so she claimed that she bowled 83 miles per hour. She was saying that she was clocked, I think, playing, I, I believe it was while they were training at North Melbourne, which is a club site in, in Melbourne, and she claimed it was 83 miles per hour, which did the maths, and it was, that's 133.6 kilometres an hour, which would be easily the fastest of any female bowler ever recorded. The the idea of this story was to go through and run um, run through sort of the progression of the female pace race and, you know, going into the next generation, who was going to be the quickest and, with someone like Philemic coming through, and we we're going to look at whether the historical bowlers stack up. But unfortunately, because it, it's been so poorly recorded, or, and understandably so, but and there's been such a little recording of it, it's hard to verify. But Dickie Bird, obviously the legendary umpire, did later say, I believe, that the Treadway was bowling within that speed. I mean, how could you know, really? And and I suppose you've got to be a little bit sceptical given, look at the current bowlers, and they're,
0: they're still a fair way off that. But also, you've got to be sceptical of everything that Dickie Bird says. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, there can be little doubt that she she was very quick, and you know how yeah how will we ever know? It's I suppose that in some respects adds to the the lore and and the, the, the um I mean, the mistake of the of, of the whole debate and and, and the piece um, because we we just won't ever know. Like we won't ever know how fast Spofforth bowled. You know, yeah. it's all it's all that sort of stuff.
0: So I actually probably saw Catherine Fitzpatrick bowl maybe four or five times, um, saw her in a couple of club games. And this is not on TV either, so I saw her live. I would have thought that she was, you know, around 125, so maybe that she would be in the top three or four quickest now. I remember her bowling a bouncer to a radio DJ host. I, I think it was Ed someone. He was like – he was on the Tony Martin show. One of the Tony Martin shows after Martin Malloy, and um, she bounced
1: – Ed Cavalier. Was that
0: him? Yeah, if you Google it, I'm pretty sure it's out there. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Catherine Fitzpatrick who, who bounced him. <laughs> It was a decent bouncer, and I've seen her play in club games as well. Um, And I kind of compared that to Huhu, who I saw bounce someone. I think you and I were at the same game. It was a Renegades game. And I would have thought that was, again, around the same pace. So I think that seems to be the limit at the moment, and that's where Shabnim Ismail seems to be as well, doesn't it? Somewhere between, what, 124 and 128 kilometres an hour. So, what, mid-70s, really?
1: Yeah, uh, that's sort of where the the range... Seems to be in terms of the elites, the top bowlers to have been recorded. As I wrote in the piece, Fitzpatrick said she was wasn't clocked, but her best was around 125. She was clocked at 120 during an exhibition event at the MCG. I think when she was, she said they had a, a male cricketer also bowling. It was on some weird setup they had. You know, on I mean, you know, more than anyone, the some of the vagaries of 90s Victorian domestic yeah, yeah, entertainment and the types of things that they would they would try, like when they used to let people sit inside the fence at the MCG.
0: People don't even believe me. Literally, one of my friends almost got beaten up by Justin Langer at a one-day game after he sent Langer <laughs> off because he was inside the fence and Langer just came over. It was incredible. I honestly thought Langer was going to just punch him in the face. So that makes sense that that would happen. And Fitzpatrick was certainly of a decent pace, but we just don't know. So it is a little bit – I spot this is a good one. you know, Or you can go back to Linwall or obviously the Bodyline series of how quick they were bowling. Yeah. The stories will say that they were very quick, but realistically we know that – Even when we've had Hawkeye data, bowling as an average has gone up. There's always going to be a Tomo-type character in there who is completely different, who might have a higher, high end, if that makes sense. But as general, it's been getting quicker. One thing that I was really interested about, only because very recently I've been reading about it in, in different sports, so I don't know if you know this, I think it was in the late 60s, early 70s, a bunch of scientists came together and said, if you look at the data, eventually women are going to run and jump more than men do. So they're going to be better athletes than men. And the reason was after World War II, you know, when women's liberation sort of opened up, we had these incredible women's athletes come through. We also had the steroid era come through and steroids and testosterone, and all those sorts of things were helping women a lot more than they were men's bodies. But all the records went through the roof for women. And so the scientists thought, well, if we follow this curve, they're eventually going to get past Men. Now, obviously, what actually happened was they were just making up for the hundreds of years where they weren't allowed <laughs> to play sport, essentially, and and suddenly there was a big explosion in that. But you actually talked to someone who's been involved in the science of fast bowling with the English cricket setup. So, can you take us through that a little bit? It was Paul Felton? Is that right?
1: Yes, Paul Felton. He's a, he's a biomechanics lecturer at um, Nottingham Trent University, and he's, he's worked with the A C B for the best part of a decade. And it was really interesting. He gave, he was very generous with his time. He gave a really detailed answers to these questions of to how, how fast a woman could bowl. I mean, t- to be fair, there's probably, you know, it, it is hard to say. Um, ultimately, uh, women are at a disadvantage to an extent. They're always going to be, like you sort of touched on there, that they've been held back for, for decades. But height, strength and slower run-ups mean that there, that there probably is a ceiling, but it's hard to quite know what that ceiling is, but he was pretty confident that 128 kilometers now, which is at the moment the, the fastest officially recorded, which was um, Ismail, that will likely be passed as the professionalisation of, of the game continues. But he sort of said that they've been limited because there hasn't been that much research in this. I suppose it's a pretty niche area. Um, you know how fast female cricketers can bowl. Obviously, the physiological differences are going to mean that there are limits, but just what those limits are to an extent, remain to be seen. And it's probably hard to, certainly according to him and who am I to doubt him, it's it's hard to quite know where that, where that limit um, will be.
0: Well, I mean, it's quite interesting. I don't know, you know, I study a lot about sports science and these sorts of things. There's actually so little information out there about women athletes because almost everything has been done on men because a lot of it started in that 60s, 70s and 80s when we sort of got into sports science and at that stage there weren't a lot of women athletes There weren't professional leagues for women, you know, there was obviously olympics were coming through But there still was a lot more men a lot of it was based around college stuff in america And obviously that was largely men and then the other part of it was sort of the European side of things, and that was based on professional leagues, and there weren't very many women professional leagues, so we actually don't know that much. I was just looking it up because we've been talking about a hundred times. So eighty miles an hour is one hundred and twenty-eight point seven five kilometers. So we're not far off that. We really should within the next three to four years see some woman go over one hundred and twenty-nine. Let's let's be fun with it. We should see someone break that fairly soon. Who is your pick? Here we go. This is it. This is the end of the podcast. Who is your pick for who is going to break the 80 mile an hour barrier like Sharon Treadway may have once done, according to Dickie Bird?
1: It's a great question. I don't think I'm going to back your girl, Izzy Long. I think just from, from uh, I like the fact she talks a big game, which is a good start. Mm. I know it's a, a bit flippant, a bit of a throwaway line, but I think there is something really to that. Ben Sawyer touched on that, that Taylor wants to bowl fast, like Taylor Volemic just is desperate to bowl quick. And at least Perry sort of touched on that as well. It's such a mindset thing. I mean, clearly it's it's not, you have to be physiologically primed to, to, to get somewhere in that vicinity. But I'd like to save a lemming and I think she's going to hopefully give it a real crack. But uh, unfortunately, her body um, keeps on breaking down. It's just the old fast bowler's trope.
0: Right, look, I
1: just hope we get to see enough of her at some point. But I'm going to say uh, Izzy Long, but um, I mean, really, it's pretty hard to know.
0: It is. I still feel that it could be Shabnam Ismail, that she'll just do it just purely on anger. But I am aware that she's now over 30 and that a lot of women's athletes in general, they start a lot younger because they develop a lot more. So if she's over 30 as a woman's fast bowler, you know, I worry that maybe she's had a couple of too many um, long spells in her background. But I'd love to see her because she's been the most cocky and arrogant like she's always claiming she's the world's fastest bowler even when to was probably bowling quicker than her for a long period of time so i really do enjoy her so i hope it's her but yeah izzy Wong's a really interesting one you would assume it's going to come through australia or england just because of the amount of money that they're putting through and the pathways and all those sorts of things but it would be great if some random sri lankan woman comes out of nowhere and just does a malinga and just w- wangs one in at 132 k's an hour out of nowhere but it's a really interesting topic and I think the women are going to get faster. We've already seen that with the run rates. And I think they're definitely going to get faster with the ball. And it, it, I really enjoyed your piece.
1: Very kind, Jared. You'll be one of the people who inspired me to get into this um, field. So it means a lot.
0: I'm going to cut that out. No one <laughs> <to get> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can follow my guest on at Daniel Cherney. If you do the Twitters, I'm on there somewhere too. Just Google my name. Please review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere, really, all the podcast places. Just, just do a lot of reviewing. Tell people on Twitter. Uh, just get it out there for us. Maybe play it loud enough that your neighbors can hear it. Forward it to your mum on WhatsApp in between sending her videos on the correct method to wash your hands. This podcast is made possible by the people who support us on Patreon, so thank you all so much. And Red Inca is made by me, Jared Kimber. Nick McCorison does many things that no one understands to make this all work. And the theme tune is called Free Forward Slash Love by The Red Cricket.